So Second Chronicles chapter 20, and I'm going to read the verses 1 through uh, around 23. So um, just, just sit back and, and listen uh, to this awesome story that we find in the Word. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, together with some of the Mayanites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast number from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. They're already in Engedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for all Judah, who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard. He said, Lord, God of our ancestors, are you not the God who was in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name and have said, if disaster comes on us, sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and before you for your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you because of our distress and you will hear and deliver. Now here are the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir. You did not let Israel invade them when Israel came out of the land of Egypt, but Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. Look how they repay us, coming by to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. Verse 13, all Judah was standing before the Lord with their dependents, their wives, and their children. In the middle of the congregation, the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite from Asaph's descendants. And he said, listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Tomorrow, go down against them. You will see them coming up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Then Jehoshaphat knelt low with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. 
Then the Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting loudly. In the morning, they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and completely annihilated them. When they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy each other. When Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked for the large army, but there were only corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. Then Jehoshaphat and the people went to gather the plunder. They found among them an abundance of goods on the bodies and valuable items. So they stripped them until nobody could carry any more. They were gathering the plunder for three days because there was so much. They assembled in the valley of Barach on the fourth day, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, that place is still called the Valley of Baracha today. Amen. So this is the word of God tonight. And, and as we do that passage, uh, I, I think the first thing that jumps out at me is that you know, here was Jehoshaphat, you know, kind of sailing along, and uh, he's the king of Judah, and he gets word of these problems. So it wasn't just one problem; it was it was really three. He gets notice that uh, these people are coming to attack Judah, and clearly, the number of the attackers is more than. The number in Judah. So Jehoshaphat, I think kind of like all of us, at sometimes we've got a problem to face. And I think if we kind of reflect on times in our lives when we've had a problem, it seems like it's not really just one problem, but it's like problem upon problem upon problem. It's like more than one thing at a time that we often face. And so Jehoshaphat, representative of all of us, even though he's a king, but representative of all of us, that we have problems. And a lot of times, or certainly sometimes, they're big problems, big problems compounded by other problems that are happening simultaneously. So yeah, there's, there's really one enemy, of course, that we face, but um, that enemy comes at us 
in different ways. And I, I think often different ways, yet even at the same time. So here's Jehoshaphat. He's, he's got three big problems coming to him at once. And naturally, the Bible says he is afraid. So here's a king who really, I guess, could put all kinds of people in front of him to protect himself or um, go into hiding and make himself the most secure person from the attack. Uh, but even having that ability, he's afraid. He's afraid. And, you know, just because we are followers of the Most High, doesn't mean that we don't sometimes fear. Sometimes we're afraid. You know, sometimes there's anxiety. There's worry. You know, I know a lot of people actually suffer with anxiety and it's a real medical condition. And I remember when COVID happened, um, Maybe two or three months into it, um, I had what I think is probably rightly described as um, a, an anxiety attack. And I, I had never in my life had that kind of experience, but I just, one day, I, I guess it was all this kind of the reality of it catching up with me and I just panicked and I was sweating and I you know, just felt nervous and I, I realized I was afraid. And so that fear led me to do something that Jehoshaphat wound up doing, which is I began to just seek the Lord in that moment. I just began to seek the Lord. And that's what we see Jehoshaphat doing. He has these problems, there are multiple problems. He's afraid, so he begins to pray. It says Jehoshaphat proclaims a fast, gathers all them together to seek the Lord. And then when the assembly comes together, he begins to call on the Lord. So I think sometimes, you know, in our society, when we have problems, we often consult other people. You know, we consult our friends, maybe. We consult um, our spouse or books. We consult all these opinions from people. Sometimes we forget that we really need to just start by praying and seeking the Lord. And that's what Jehoshaphat does. He, he begins to pray. So he's praying and he's reminding God of the fact that he had promised them this inheritance after he delivered them out of Egypt. He's reminding God that 
when they came out of Egypt, they could have attacked these same people, but God didn't allow them to do that. And now here are those people trying to attack them and essentially take away the inheritance that God had promised them. So Jehoshaphat is calling on the Lord in prayer. But we notice he couples that prayer with that other discipline that we actually talked about the last time um, we were together when I facilitated our discussion, he also proclaims a fast. So he calls all Judah together and proclaims a fast. They are not going to eat because they have this pressing, serious problem, set of problems in front of them. And they realize they've got to take some pretty drastic me measures. So remember, we had talked a few weeks ago about fasting and you know how it just it simply means abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. And I shared uh, some of the benefits of, of fasting and um, looking in the scripture, how that phrase, humbling yourself, usually really meant a fast, a period of fasting. And the benefit of fasting, one of them being, it takes the focus off of ourself. It takes the focus off of our soulish things, our, our mind, our will, our emotion, and get the focused instead on God. And that fast is something we've seen in scripture that is a weapon used to defeat the enemy. You know, remember Esther, she had called that fast when the Jews were about to be annihilated by Haman. Part of the warfare that God has given is the proclamation of a fast. So Jehoshaphat proclaims the fast and is hopeful, of course, that it's going to defeat the enemy along with his prayer. So prayer, proclaiming a fast when facing these big problems. But something that really jumps out though in the text is that Jehoshaphat's prayer is so powerful because He's really just articulating the promise of God himself. So what does he say? He says um, in starting at verse 7, he says, Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name. And have said, if disaster comes on us, sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and before you for your name is in this temple. And we will cry out to you 
because of our distress and you will hear and deliver. This kind of takes us, takes us back to Second Chronicles chapter seven. And that's again, kind of where we were when I was last um, teaching. And it's that time when Solomon had dedicated the temple, the temple had been finished. Solomon is dedicating the temple and he begins to pray at the dedication. Let's go back to second Chronicles chapter seven for a minute. And so Solomon says, Lord, we've built this sanctuary. We've built this temple for you. And in the future, when we call on you from this place, please hear and deliver. That's what he prayed. And then the Lord responds, starting in verse 12, the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I shut the sky so there's no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people, and my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer from this place. So all Jehoshaphat was doing in chapter 20 is reminding God of his promise that if the people would humble themselves and pray and seek him and repent, then he would hear and he would deliver. He would rescue. That's what 2 Chronicles 7.14 was all about. He, God was promising that he would respond in such situations. So Jehoshaphat is praying his prayer according to the promise of God. And so sometimes I think we wonder why is it that our prayers aren't uh, being answered? Why is it taking longer? I don't profess to know all the reasons why, but I have found that prayer is much more powerful when the prayer is uttered consistent with what the promises of God are. You know, he gives us his word. He gives us the scripture and details for us so many promises in this book. And if we pray according to those promises, he has to hear us. And because he's not a man that can lie, then when we pray to him according to his very own promises, to be true to himself, that he has to hear and he has to respond. And I, I think Jehoshaphat knew that 
about God, his faithfulness to perform his word. So Jehoshaphat's standing in front of all the people. They've proclaimed a fast, and he's praying to God according to the promise of God that he had given to Solomon back in chapter 7. So if my people who are called by my name, okay, that's the same people that, that Judah, that Jehoshaphat is, is, is ruling over and that is included in this um, story. If those people who are called by my name will humble themselves, well, he proclaimed a fast. So they've humbled themselves and pray. Well, that's what he's doing right there. He's praying and seek my face. Again, back to that point that sometimes we seek counsel in the face of many people and we let God be the last one that we seek. But here we see Jehoshaphat and all of the people are seeking God. They're seeking him. It says in verse four, they gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. And then in verse 12, as Jehoshaphat's praying, he says, we do not know what to do, but we look to you. So he's seeking God's face. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear. Then I will act. That's what God's promise really was. So Jehoshaphat is praying according to the promise of God. So then we see in the story where he's proclaimed a fast, he's praying, he's seeking the Lord's face. And then something happens. The spirit of prophecy breaks out and they're told, look, you are not even going to have to fight this battle because the battle isn't yours. The battle is the Lord's. You're not even going to have to fight because the battle belongs to the Lord. So the prophet is prophesying victory. He's prophesying victory. I think in the midst of our problems and challenges, a lot of times, yes, we're praying and we might even be praying according to the promises that God has given us. But I've also found to be true that we need to prophesy and speak our victories. That's what was going on here. It's, it's a reminder to us to prophesy our victory even before we see it. Speak prophetically 
over your situation, speak prophetically over your life, speak prophetically over that thing or those things that that are there, those obstacles in your way, speak prophetically. And so I'm also reminded of um, Ezekiel, I think of what, chapter 37, when Ezekiel goes to the valley of dry bones. As a matter of fact, let's just read that. Ezekiel 37, it says, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley and they were very, very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, you know. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to you, bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord says, breathe. Come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet. A vast army. Wow. That, that power of prophesying to our situation. But it, it's not just the situation it's really i guess more uh precisely i guess i should say prophesying to an incomplete fulfillment of a promise right god had made a promise he said prophesy to these bones and they're going to live so ezekiel's prophesying but as he does the bones come together, but ultimately there's no breath in them. So God says to him, keep prophesying. Prophesy to the breath that you're going to enter and they're going to live. So he prophesied. So professing what God has said will be is such a powerful thing prophesy our victory even before we see it. And even if we're, we're speaking to our situation, we're, we're prophesying over our problem and we're declaring, we're decreeing some things, we see some movement, but we don't see it fully manifest. I think God's reminding us to persist and keep prophesying the word 
of the Lord over our situations. Because that's what Ezekiel was instructed to do. He was instructed to prophesy, hear the word of the Lord. So these problems that we have in our lives, these multiple problems, these big problems, let's speak prophetically. Let's prophesy our victory even before we see it. I think that's what Jehoshaphat was doing. And then we get to this last part that, that I love so much, which is there's the prophecy, the prophetic word comes. And after the prophetic word comes, you know, Jehoshaphat says, look, you know, believe in the Lord, believe in his prophets. We're going to have victory. We're going to have success. And it says they got people that knew how to sing and to praise. And essentially, they go out before the army. And so the Bible says here that when they go out and start to praise, something awesome happens. It says, when they went out in front of the army, they kept singing, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. The moment they began to shout and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir and completely annihilated them. I, I used to call that um, a paradoxical praise. I guess because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to to praise in the natural mind to praise God when these big problems are before you and you have this challenge or these challenges and you're suffering and you're stressed and you're afraid maybe even angry whatever it is to praise in that situation doesn't make much natural sense but we see here that that praise really was the final weapon that defeated the enemies that day so i think there was a song some years ago called praise him in advance i think it was marvin sapp or someone um, praise him in advance of the victory so prophesy in advance of the victory Praise in advance of the victory before we can even see the promise fulfilled. Praise is our weapon. I didn't have time to go through and uh, point out all the scriptures that talk about praise being a weapon, but uh, the scripture is so clear on that. Praise is a weapon. It was a weapon that day, and uh, it was a weapon in... Uh, Acts 16, that's also one of my favorite chapters, Acts 16, um, go to that, just read a few verses, Paul and Cyrus were in prison, it says, once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which 
She predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the most high God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed, turned to her spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, brought them to the chief magistrates and said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt. The crowd joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. In verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and praising, singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake such that the foundations of the jail were shaken. Immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. Well, I love that. Praising in a midnight situation. Praising when it's so dark you can't really see your way out. Praising when you feel like you're stuck and in chains and that there's no real hope. Praising when it looks like your defeat is imminent. Paul and Silas praised. It says that the prison shook an earthquake came as a result of prayer and praise at midnight and their chains fell off. Supernatural move of God in, in response to praise and prayer. That's what we see with Jehoshaphat and the children of Judah it's battle time. The day has arrived. But as they praise, before they even have to lift a weapon, they lifted their voice in praise and God moved. The weapon of praise. And then we saw how the story ends. The story ends with a great plunder of the possessions of those very people who had just shortly before that come to destroy them. He turned it around. There were the big problems. But Jehoshaphat, even though he was afraid, he prayed, proclaimed a fast, Proclaimed the promise that God had made to Solomon. They prophesied their victory before it happened. And they praised him before it happened. So I think for us tonight, let's just be reminded of these things that the scripture is teaching us and highlighting for us.
yes, we know we are going to have problems. Sometimes it's going to be big problems. It's going to be all at once. It's going to be right in our face. We can't avoid it. Big problems. But he's reminding us tonight that he's still the God who answers prayers. He's still the one who answers prayers. He's still the one that is moved when we humble ourselves by proclaiming a fast. He's the same God who loves to hear his very promises proclaimed out of our own mouth. The same God who loves to hear his people prophesy their victory before it even happens. The same God who loves to hear us praise him in advance of our victory. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same one that handled those problems for Jehoshaphat and the children of Judah is the same one who's more than able to fight our battles today. Yeah, I'm entering a, a busy season coming up in the ministry and uh, I have three uh, trips planned to Africa uh, coming up the last week of July and then two weeks in August back to back. So from Uganda and then Kenya and Liberia. And the amount of um, stress and pressure that is there prior to this stuff happening is is real it's real um and working with limited resources yet knowing what the lord has commanded to do you know dealing with the everyday general stresses of of life and family and um you know the church and these all this stuff going on I don't know if I've been afraid, but I've certainly been stressed. I've certainly at times been anxious. But I feel the Lord even saying to me, look, you've got these three big projects ahead of you. But just pray. Why don't you proclaim a fast? Why don't you prophesy your victory and claim my promises to you? Praise me with a pre-victory praise. I, I really think that um, we're at a time where the Lord wants us to do these things that these, these, these scriptures teach us our ways that he honors, you know, we can't force God to do anything, obviously, but he's revealed to us, these are his ways. I said earlier, um, I don't know if I said it to you all or, or uh, my church family, but one of my prayers going into uh, this year was based on uh, that scripture that says, you know, God made 
his ways known to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. And so I wanted the Lord to show me his ways, to reveal more of his ways, not just show me what he does, but help me understand his ways. And so I feel like this is an answer to that prayer that the Lord is reminding me again that these are his ways, that he honors certain things, certain ways of doing things he honors. And so trusting him at his word, trusting that he's faithful, that he doesn't respect us any less than he did them or them any less than he might respect us. Amen. So that's all I had tonight. Uh, so if anyone wants to respond or share, or uh, if you want to share what your prayer request is, uh, we can do that uh, in this time as well. But uh, this is what I think the Lord has highlighted for, for me and for us tonight. And so hopefully uh, you've been blessed with the ministry of the word. Amen. Amen. I just want to say this is a word of the Lord that we need desperately in the body right now to realize that it is how promises are unlocked when we pray according to his word. You know, I think that is why, like you said, so many um, Christians uh, find themselves praying and feeling like prayers might be unfulfilled. And there are reasons for that. Sometimes the answer is just not now or there might be reasons uh, that it's not answered, but it also might just stem from the fact that it's maybe not in alignment with his word. You know, he says, if this, then this. And so, you know, knowing his word and then praying according to his word, I, it is powerful. We even see it's the way that Jesus fought the enemy. You know, it is written, it is written. And so whether it's standing firm with his word against the you know, against the enemy or the forces of darkness, but also reminding God, because you've given us such great examples, that is exactly what Jehoshaphat was doing. You know, of course, the Lord knows what his own promises are, but how wonderful it must bless his heart to hear those that belong to him make proclamations of faith. You know, I just think that it's like, if you can think of like as a parent or you know, just watching your children really stand on all the things you've taught them, you know, and just repeat back the things that you've, you know, walked through with them as they've been growing up. But now on their own, they're declaring these things, you know, how it blesses the father's heart. And I just think that's probably the reason, you know, of even what you're saying, the prophesying is an important aspect of it. But of course, we have to be careful with our prophecy to make sure it. our prophecy has to be in alignment with the word of the Lord, because it is his word that will not return void. It is his word that will prove true, because we can know that we're prophesying with certainty when it's in alignment with his word. And we know that he says His pr that prayers will be answered when we pray according to his will. We can be sure of it. So praise the Lord. And I just also appreciate your encouragement of praising him and challenging circumstances. I think that's another critical aspect of, you know, our warfare and also of our own hearts, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when we're in those times, it's like those pressing times kind of press out of us what's really in our heart. So what is it that we're doing when we're in the middle of those things? Are we just sitting in the woe is me 
you know, and feeling sorry for ourselves, which, you know, I'm, I'm sympathetic towards that, but, or are we moving into victory, which would be trusting the Lord, regardless of how things look, because he has said that he'll turn all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So are we believing that? Because again, that's just standing in faith when our mouth is actually proclaiming praises to the Lord, even when our circumstances look difficult. You know, it's like, I know I can't see beyond what's happening now, but I know God is greater than this. And he's made that promise to me as a believer. So I appreciate this word tonight so much, Bernie, for myself. And I want to just really quickly tell everyone um, just a praise report of a little bit of what you mentioned on, on the Africa stuff. So everyone hasn't been brought into the loop on how God has already moved, but I know that you are pretty much familiar. I think most of you with, um, the fact that Bernie and Jed and Nicole were in Liberia just a few months ago, we were all praying with them for the Lord to, um, provide 5,000 Bibles that could be sent. We've sent out emails, you know, to many on the email list with all of the connected ministries and the Lord has provided, he has provided the funding for all for 5,000 Bibles. And we're literally in the middle of watching him orchestrate some, you know, orchestrate and maneuver through the challenges, which I think, you know, I'm privy to a little bit of the challenges Bernie's talking about right now. We literally saw a breakthrough today by prayer. You know, we saw that one circumstance change from $4,000 it was going to cost for the freight for the Bibles to get just taken to the ship. And we started praying in the spirit and just praying independently where we are. We're all on a text thread. And by, you know, a couple of like, I don't even think it was an hour later, we got a, a text message that the price is now going to be $892. So $3,200 difference, which is huge when we're talking about what's happening here because funds are needed to carry this thing all the way through um, to get these Bibles into Liberia. But God is doing it. He is doing it. And he's doing it through this little body of believers, you know, including you guys and the prayers of his saints, you know, we're watching him do it. Like there's no other explanation. He's doing it. And, and we know he, he's got it this far. I just wholeheartedly believe and want to prophesy. He's going to complete what he started. These Bibles are going to end up in Liberia, praise the Lord. And the word of the Lord is going to go forth in an area that's literally untouched by the word of the Lord. I mean, they, they have believing people, they have a church. I don't know how many they have, but most of the people, and and as you guys have heard before, and the pastors do, don't have their own Bibles. So I just think this is miraculous. And I just want to bless the Lord for what he's doing and share it with you guys, because you have been a part of it and haven't gotten all the updates. So praise the Lord. Crystal, it's, it's funny you said that because I took myself off of mute to actually share that same thing. Um, how, how we saw him move today. Uh, and, you know, that was a huge obstacle in our way. Um, but all we did was start to pray. We didn't get on a prayer line together and do it. We could have, but we just, we just all prayed. And like Krista said, a very short time later, that obstacle was significantly reduced. Um, and I think also well, there are a couple of things I think that I, I would I would want to say. One is 
those Bibles going into Liberia and how God is doing that. By the way, it's not a simple thing. It's not a simple thing. It's not as simple as, okay, we're going to go buy 500 Bibles even, let alone 5,000. We're just going to buy them. We'll put them on a, on a truck and then a ship, and then they'll get over there and the people have it. There's so many moving pieces, so many unknown things. Uh, and for God to do what he did today is just a huge, huge victory because we don't know what it actually will wind up costing once the Bibles get to the port in Liberia. Um, you know, there are all kinds of things that are there. But I think what God is showing is how much he values his word, the value of his word getting to those people. But in another way, I think, and especially tonight as we're considering this text, is the importance of his word to us as believers here, how the success of the prayer of Jehoshaphat was in large part due to him proclaiming what God had already promised. So this tour of truth that we're on throughout the year is so valuable because if we don't know his promises, then we can't proclaim those promises. We can't pray according to those promises. So being in the word is so, so valuable. And so I just feel like the Lord is reminding us, um, maybe he's reminding me more than you, I don't know, but the importance, the value of his word, we know that it's valuable because Jesus was the word made flesh and he allowed him to be sacrificed for us. The word of God, the word was with God, the word was God. The word is so valuable. We can't fully walk in victory that he has for us. We can't fully take our inheritance. We cannot fully do these things if we don't know the promises that he's given us. And he's given us those promises and his word. The last thing I wanted to say before hopefully someone else jumps in uh, is how awesome is it that the battle is the Lord's? It's not ours. The battle is the Lord's. That's a word absolutely for someone tonight. The battle is the Lord's. So we, we expend all this energy trying to fight when sometimes he says, no, no, no. The battle is mine and I'm going to fight for you. And that's exactly what he did. All the children of Judah had to do was to go and gather the spoils because the Lord fought the battle. So someone should be encouraged tonight. The battle that you think you're facing on your own, this multitude of problems that's before you, I think the Lord's saying to someone tonight, the battle is his. The battle is his. And isn't that confirmed when Jesus... Jesus told us to cast all of our cares upon him for he cares for us. And then when he talked about anxiety and he said, what can, you know, you know, we can't turn one of our hairs gray that what is worry going to add to our life. 
you know, because that really, to me, that's such, that's very confirming to what you're saying. You know, the things that we cannot control that are not like in our abilities um, to manage or God has not given us instructions on, it's outside of what we can do. Those are the things we have to leave for the Lord and truly trust and pray that he's going to handle that for us. And I think that's where we can rest without the anxiety and just have the peace. Mm. Wow. Anyone have anything they want to share? Yes. <clears throat> Pastor Bernie, I just wanted to say, um, this is just such a beautiful word from the Lord and it is a word from the Lord. Um, when you spoke about the Bibles, uh, what came to me was Jeremiah 32, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Good evening. Um, this is Connie. I am so grateful. So thankful for this message, this beautiful message that I received today. Um, it just filled my heart. Um, and in the sincerity of how it was presented and I thank God for that. And it just really opened my eyes and my heart um, to a lot of things um, and um, things that I have been uh, meditating on and, and being tossed and turned in my heart and in my mind um, when we get to those places um, where it's just like, okay, life challenges comes in and it comes in like a flood sometimes and you don't have, you don't know how or what to do. And you, all you can do is just turn to the Lord and pray. So this really, really, um, this message today from God, directly from God, really strengthened me in this this, this hour, and um, it gave me um, new insight on how to and what to do um, in praying. And, and I thought about it, and he says, praising in the midnight in a midnight situation, and our midnight situation doesn't have to be midnight; it could be day. It could be two o'clock, it could be three o'clock, but it's midnight. It's, it's just like everything is closing in. So all you all you can do is just get God, just I gotta give you praise. I don't know what else to do but call on you. If I try to call on my my family or my friends or my pastor, sometimes I can't get through to them. But even in the midnight hour, I can call on you and you will answer. So I, I am I am so thankful for this, and it's just it just strengthened it really really strengthened me. So thank you so much. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I just want to say thank you for just praying for me, and thank you for just keeping me in the midst. Pastor Bernie has been so good to me, and and has taught me so much. And tonight's lesson was the greatest lesson I could have ever learned in my life. Because God spoke to me two years ago and said I would be healed. And I lost the power to continue to think that he would do that. Pastor Bernie, thank you tonight for letting me know that I was doing the wrong thing. And if there's things that I need to do. And I just want to say, y'all continue to do good work. Continue to keep me in your prayer. And I will pray for each and every one of you. Thank you so much. Um, I'll turn it back over to Krista for our clothing but um i'm really really grateful that you all were on tonight and thank you for uh in indulging me uh i like i said i was hoping i wasn't putting anyone to sleep uh, but I, I really just sensed a a peace of the lord tonight as we 
as we gather together. So uh, be blessed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, we thank you and honor you for what you brought tonight, Bernie, because it was not sleepy talk. For those who are awake in the Lord, it was powerful and it was a now word for us all. So thank you so much for that. Come, let's pray. Father, Father, we praise you. We thank you, Lord. Truly indeed, you know our situation. Truly indeed, you know in and out of us. In Psalm 139, it says, Fearfully and wonderfully, you made us. And you made us so that we can have that life in abundance with your love, with your peace, with your joy. So today we thank you, Lord, for your wonderful word of reminder, Lord, that you care for us. You love us. You want us to enjoy all that you have blessed us with. So let your word sink in, Lord. And we know your word never returns void. But there are areas in our lives that we have made walls, Lord. That we do not allow this word to sink in. So I pray, Lord, today we will open every area of our lives so that we are able to humble ourselves and receive your word to transform us according to your image, according to your purpose and will. So bless each and every one. Keep them always under your wings. For you are the only refuge and our fortress. And Lord, may your face shine upon us. May your countenance be seen upon us. So that we can walk boldly knowing that you are with us and others will know that we are your children. May your peace rest in each one of us so that we can be like Joseph on that day. He stood firm and saw your salvation. We can be assured when we follow your ways, we can stand firm and see your salvation working in each and every one of our lives. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, God bless all of you. May his shalom peace go with you and be with you, before you, behind you, and beside you. And we'll look forward to seeing you.